Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Successful Woman Radio Show brought to you by WomenAboutBiz.net, empowering you with the tools and resources to start and grow your very own business. Hello, ladies. This is Trina Newby, your host and business success coach, broadcasting to you live this Monday, February 4th, 2019, and as always, bringing you inspiration, motivation, and ways to make your business, your dreams, and your ideas a huge success. Well, I want to say a happy Monday to everyone. I trust that you all had a fantastic weekend, and that you also took some time to joy pamper yourself because that is so key. As a reminder, if you didn't take the time to review your calendar and ensure that all activities and tasks scheduled are supporting your goals for this week, ladies, you've got to do so immediately following the show. Listen, It's so important for you to stay in tune with your goals and what you have going on. And so often, it is very easy to have a whole lot of activities on your calendar, your planner, whatever you call it that you manage your time with, and a lot of those activities are not even pertaining to what it is that you want to accomplish by week in. And for most people, that's Friday. So I urge you to make sure that you take that quality time to spend with your business, schedule it, make it a habit to always make sure that the activities listed on your calendar are, they are coinciding, they are supporting what it is that you want happen to happen for Friday. Okay. And, and also ladies, don't forget that oftentimes you know, with planning our calendar and everything, it's not just looking at our calendar to make sure that activities are are supporting this week's goals, but actually the whole principle behind this is that you should have planned out your goals for at least the first six months of the year. And from there, you should have listed out all of the goals to support each of the visions or experiences that you want to have in your business. And then, of course, you're going to then assign tasks to those goals. And it's the task that you're going to actually either delegate it, do it yourself, plan the follow-up, and get that listed in your planner so that you can make sure that you schedule adequate time to either prepare the test or time to, I'm sorry, adequate time to prepare the task or adequate time to follow up with whomever you have delegated the task to. So that's so key. And oftentimes uh, what I find is that it's the simple things that we should be doing that we often pass up. And maybe it's because they are simple. Maybe it is because they are so easy to do that we feel that we have enough come back around to them. And that, that way what happens is that we end up making a, something that's simple complex because we've compounded the issue because we haven't been, you know, minding or looking after all of the follow-up items, all of the things that we need to support our goals. We haven't been tending to those. So again, Sunday is always a good time to do that. It's beginning of the week. It's always a good time to schedule that quiet time with yourself. Look at what you've got going on for the week and always 
if you're in business, always it's about generating the leads and making the money. So those are priority things that you should be keeping at the top of your mind as you look at your activity list to see if they are supporting your goals. And sometimes you even have to look at your goals and make sure that your goals are in alignment for what you want overall. So that's just a little bit of tip for me. Of course, last month, January, all last month we had the, the theme you know, Business Goals 2019, and we talked each Monday about a different facet of goal setting and what you needed to do. So make sure you go ahead and visit womenaboutbiz.net. That's womenaboutbiz, as in zebra.net. Make sure you go ahead and visit us and click on podcast in the top menu bar. And when you click on podcast, you're going to automatically see over in the right-hand side all of the previously broadcasted shows for January. So go ahead and and play catch up and listen to them. Um, You can do it right from the website on your smartphone or smart device uh, so that it's convenient and you can listen to them from wherever you are, okay? For those of you that are new to Successful Woman Radio, I want to say welcome, welcome, welcome to you. Um, This is a show that is all about keeping women in a positive environment where you will be able able to get tips and resources and things that you can put to use right away in your business. So very, very important. Well, we've got a great theme for you during the month of February. This is our love month in in the United States. And so we're going to be talking about all this month, a passion to succeed. What does it actually mean to have a passion for what it is that you do? And of course, with any business that you start, you must be able to have or gain a passion to succeed. Also, I want to just share with you also, we're going to talk about you know, the the questions that you need to ask yourself to become a fabulous leader. What are those questions? So we're going to get into those questions, the five questions of leadership and authority. Um, We're also uh, going to be reading an excerpt from our book club, Book of the Month. We're going to continue on with E-Myth by Michael Gerber. And of course, if you have not added this book to your business library. Ladies, this is a book that you definitely need to have. Um, E-Myth, I consider it, along with many other experts, I consider it kind of like the Bible uh, business book, right? It, It is so chock full of information that you need to understand about systems. And I think throughout the main theme of the book, that is what the author is trying to get people who are reading to understand is that you have to have your business to run like a system and there must be multiple systems in place in order for you um, to see some success with your business and not feel like you are enslaved to your business. So again, we're going to move forward with reading um, some excerpts from that, right? And then, of course, I'll let you know about our Uh, webinar for this month that we have uh, coming up on Women About Biz, A Passion for Follow-Up. So we'll be talking about all of that. So definitely don't click away uh, or don't hang up because we've got good information for you. It is 1239 after the hour. Again, our show started late today um, at 1230. Unfortunately, I was having some technical difficulty getting started. So I just decided to push the show Uh, to the 12.30 hour instead of 12. But normally, make sure you mark your calendar every Monday at 12 noon Eastern time. And of course, we're always going to be live on the air, whether it's a holiday or not. 
always want to make sure that we can be consistent in your life for providing you with that information um, that's going to help you to grow your business, that's going to give you some good food for thought, help you to brainstorm within yourself and come up ways to come up with ways to be a better leader for yourself. So what I want to do right now is I want to go ahead and share with you five questions of leadership authority. Um, and these are the new questions for the year. We'll be, we'll be sharing these questions with you every single Monday. And believe it or not, we do that because we know that in order to create a habit of something, that it must be repetitive. We have to repeat it, right? And so we you know, lead by example by making sure that we repeat these questions every Monday. But I also talk about the different questions from various perspectives so that it does give you food for thought and it does give you a new way of looking at each of the questions. So here we go, five questions of leadership and authority just for you. Number one, am I clear on my role as CEO of my company, right? So, you know, when you are a business owner and not just any kind of business owner, I mean, come on, anybody can start a business, right? But that's not what we're aiming for. Um, we're aiming to be incredible CEOs. We're, we're aiming to be successful businesswomen generating six and seven figure incomes from our businesses. And to do that, we have to be masters, queens of goal setting. We have to um, take it to the next level, step out of the box and go beyond our comfort level, right? And so in order to do that, in order to be clear on that CEO role, if you haven't already, it's going to be important for you to create a position description for yourself, right? And I'm not talking about writing in paragraphs. You, you need to just do some bullet points. Give a short paragraph of what the company is all about, what's expected, and then give bullet points when it comes to what the roles and duties of your position are. Very key. Um, and I've, I've given some resources like, you know, go back on Google, look up um, the job descriptions for CEOs in various industries, or maybe even in your industry for larger companies, take a look at what they're requiring the CEO to do. And if you'll notice, CEOs are really responsible for having a bird's eye view over their company. And what that means is that they're not necessarily involved so much in the day-to-day -day activities that they've taken their sights away from the main goal and vision of the company. Instead, they've either delegated it, or if you're a solo entrepreneur, you've scheduled time to handle all of the technical or labor-type business, and you've also scheduled time to handle the CEO uh, visionary business as well so that you can keep them segmented and you can give them the ample time they need. So again, being clear on your role as the CEO and knowing what you're supposed to be thinking and what you're supposed to be doing is very key to the survival and the success of your business and let no one tell you anything different because it is certainly true. Here's question number two. What are my business priorities? And this is so huge, ladies, ladies. I can't tell you enough of how key it is for you to have your pulse beat on your priorities. That should be at the top of your mind every single day. Now, what I have often recommended to many small business owners is that you also develop 
a operations guide for your business. That is something that is going to, in writing, that is going to say what's required of the business daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annually. See, because as the owner, as the CEO of your company, that's how you're going to keep up with everything. That's how you know what to follow up with and how you know who um, to delegate things to is by having an operations plan that's going to guide you, right? It's coming all from you, but it's certainly easier when you have it written down, you have it listed, and you know exactly what it is that you are supposed to be doing, okay? Here's number three and five questions of leadership and authority. Do I have a bird's eye view? Now, we talked about that bird's eye view earlier. Do I have a bird's eye view of the following areas in my business? Daily workflow, marketing, follow-up, generating leads. Do you have a bird's eye view for that? Because um, oftentimes what I find out, and as you will learn when you read the book, The E-Myth, Revisited by Michael Gerber, what you will learn is that oftentimes if you keep yourself in the labor role, that's where you stay. And most laborers don't have concern for the, the responsibilities of the owner, CEO. Most laborers have concern for what's in front of them, that is putting the gadgets together or doing whatever it is they need to do from a labor perspective. But when it comes to setting the financial goals of the business, looking at the bookkeeping, is the website in tune, how many leads are we generating, what's our second quarter, what's our goal for second quarter 2019, those kinds of things are thoughts of a CEO. And when you push yourself into a labor mode, meaning I've got to get this made, or I've got to get this put together, or I've got to I've got to work on putting these orders in the system. When you put yourself in that role, while there's nothing wrong with being in that role, at the same time, there's everything wrong with it if you stay in that role 100% of the time. You can't afford to when you are the owner. Now, many of you listening to the show, I would say the majority are solo entrepreneurs. And when you are a solo entrepreneur, it, it means that you are the only one running the company or responsible for running the company, but it doesn't mean that you're supposed to be by yourself, right? So as a solo entrepreneur, what you have to decide, first of all, is how many dedicated hours can you give to the business on a weekly basis? And once you decide the number of dedicated hours, then what you have to determine it's based on the three roles that must be played in a business. And again, you can learn what those three roles are by reading the E-Myth, but they are just, you know, uh, quickly, they are technician or laborer, technician, manager, and entrepreneur visionary. And so when you are a solo entrepreneur, you have to actually dedicate a certain number of hours each week to your business and then determine which one of those roles, what the percentage of those roles of time you will play, right? So for example, if you had 10 hours a week to give to your business and you said 50% of your time had to be spent on Entrepreneur Visionary, that means five hours of the 10 then would be spent on Entrepreneur Visionary. That means that you would have another five hours left over to con to devy up or, or decide between the labor role and the manager role, who gets what percentage, right? So that's what you have to do. And, I'll, you know, I just use that as a 
fictitious type example, many of you are working 30 hours, 20 hours, 40 hours or more in your businesses as solo entrepreneurs, so you have to determine that. So it's key that you understand and know from an owner's perspective, how do you divide your time up if you're a solo entrepreneur, and how do you begin to determine what's most important? So as a rule of thumb, I'd like to let you know that you, your goal is really to work up to 50 to 75% of your time being in the entrepreneur visionary role. That's the goal. That should be your goal is working up to that 50 to 75%. And then, you know, um, then dividing up the rest of your time between labor and manager. You really should be trying to get yourself out of the labor role if at all possible. Now, there are some exceptions to the rule. So if you are a coach, if you are, are um, a service provider where you are the one providing the actual service, a hairstylist, um, you know, a coach, a massage therapist, a fitness coach, anything similar to that where the service is being really directly provided by you, then that actually puts you in the labor role big time, right? But it still doesn't mean that you should then, uh, you know, ignore the other two roles left, which means the manager role and the entrepreneur visionary role. So it's important for you guys to understand this. And and I pray and I hope that I'm explaining it in such a way that you are receiving it and it will make you want to look more into what's going on with those roles and how do you begin to really fine-tune yourself as a CEO of your company. No matter how small your company is, you should always think of yourself as the CEO. So that was question number three. Do I have a bird's eye view of the following areas? Daily workflow, marketing, follow-up, generating leads, okay? Number four, am I allowing my power team to work for me in helping, okay, in helping with tasks? And a power team is something that I hold dear and near to my heart. It's very important because a power team is those group of professionals. Normally, they have their own businesses, but they provide quality expert services that can help you shorten the learning curve and move your business faster. So you have to develop that power team. So you have to ask yourself, am I allowing myself to have a power team to work for me and helping me with tasks? And then number five, do I have a delegation system in place to activate my power team? And those two questions, four and five, are very, very important. Here's why. Um, first of all, if you don't have a power team in place, because many of you may say, well, yeah, I have a few people that I know I could call, but that's, that's not the same thing. A power team is a structured group of people that you have discussed your task with and the different things that you might need help with from time to time or on a consistent basis. And then you've learned what they charge, you've negotiated the fees, you, you, you know all of that. So when they receive something, a task coming from you, they automatically know and are familiar with who you are, what you do, and the type of task because you've already discussed it. You've, you've even seen um, copies of their work. You've looked at their portfolio. You have what we call vetted this individual and feel, feel comfortable with knowing that this individual can indeed do the work that you are going to be requiring of them, Okay. So it's not so much that they, that everyone who's on your power team knows that they're in some type of honorary position of power team member. 
that word is a term basically for your eyes and you you alone to basically segment and know that you have a group of people that you can put in place that can give power to your business and push it and move it faster when you need them to, okay? Wanted to just clarify that. And and then in the question number five, do I have a delegation system in place? This is very key because it doesn't make sense to have a power team or to have people people helping you with tasks and to accomplish your goals if you don't have a system in place to delegate and follow up with. So this is key. And I talked about in the past that there is such a difference between delegating and abdicating. Delegating, of course, is assigning a task to someone other than yourself with complete description of how to perform that task or what they need to do and what your expectations are and also setting the deadlines. Those three things are very, very important, right? And so when you've done that, you've delegated, but then when you go one step forward, uh, one step further and make sure that you schedule follow-ups in your time management calendar to follow up with the individual that you've delegated to, now you are being a responsible business owner, Okay. You're being a responsible business owner. When you abdicate, abdication is is similar to delegation, but it's delegating without follow-up or follow-through. And most of the time when you abdicate, you haven't really given instructions on how you want things done. You haven't even set a deadline. And that is a very destructive way of utilizing the talent of other people because you are putting the ball and all of the responsibility in their court to manage whatever you've given them without giving them clear instructions, which means oftentimes it will cause that individual to procrastinate or come back to you or to take a longer time in getting the task done. So when you delegate with responsibility and you give them the description, you give them a deadline, you give them um, all of the instructions along with the, you know, along with setting up follow through times for you to hold them accountable it, is, it can become a beautiful relationship with your power team members, and you will feel good knowing that you have held your own self accountable and have set up the right type of system to see things get done in a fast manner. It is 12.54 after the hour, almost the 1 o'clock time. Again, we started late, so we'll be going past the 1 o'clock hour. Um, And you're listening to no other than the Successful Woman Radio Show. And for those of you that are new, hello there. I'm Trina Newby, your host, success coach, and founder of Women About Biz. And, of course, Successful Woman Radio is our flagship uh, show through Women About Biz, where we aim to give women information that's going to help them be more successful. So I want to thank everyone who was able to jump on at 1230 and listen to the show with us. Right now, I want to go ahead and move on to the book E-Myth. I'm going to read you guys an excerpt, okay? And again, E-Myth talks about the three vital roles that must be played in any business, uh, laborer, technician, manager, entrepreneur, visionary, okay? So it talks about those three roles, and it explains those three roles in depth. But what I want you to understand from this book, it can really help you. It might require you to read certain sections over again, 
but it can really help you to have the type of CEO mindset that, that's going to take your business to that six or seven figure level. So what I am going to read to you is from the chapter, um, I want to make sure I tell you correctly. I'm going to read to you from chapter seven, the turnkey revolution, okay? And I'm going to be skipping a little bit, but I'm going to talk about where Michael Gerber, the author of the book, E-Myth, I'm, I'm going to share with you uh, from reading this excerpt where he really got the aha moment from with this particular book. He says it all started in 1952, when a 52-year-old salesman walked into a hamburger stand in San Bernardino, California, to sell the two brothers who owned it a milkshake machine, what he saw there was a miracle. At least that's how Ray Kroc, the milkshake machine salesman, might have described it, for he had never seen anything like that very first McDonald's, later to be McDonald's hamburgers. It worked like a Swiss watch. Hamburgers were produced in a way he'd never seen before, quickly, efficiently, inexpensively, and identically. Best of all, anyone could do it. He watched high school kids working with precision under the supervision of the owners, happily responding to the long lines of customers queued up in front of the stand. It became apparent to Ray Kroc that what the McDonald brothers had created was not just another hamburger stand, but a money machine. Soon after that first visit and possessed by a passion he had never felt quite like that before, Ray Kroc convinced Mac and Jim McDonald to let him franchise their method. Twelve years and several million hamburgers later, he bought them out and went on to create the largest retail prepared food distribution system in the world. The most successful business in the world is McDonald's, okay? Because of the success of McDonald's, um, it's so staggering. Think about it. In less than 40 years, Ray Kroc's McDonald's has become a $40 billion a year business, 707 restaurants worldwide, and of course, there's many more than that now, and growing in number every minute, serving food to more than 43 million people every day in 120 companies representing more than 10% of the gross restaurant receipts in America. The average McDonald's restaurant produces more than $2 million in annual sales and is more profitable than almost any other retail business in the world with an average 17% pre-tax net profit. But Ray Kroc created much more than just a fantastically successful business. He created the model upon which an entire generation of entrepreneurs have since built their fortunes, a model that was the genesis of the franchise phenomenon. It started as a trickle when a few entrepreneurs began to experiment with Kroc's formula for success, but it wasn't long before the trickle turned into Niagara Falls. In 2000, there were 320,000 franchise businesses in 75 industries. Franchises, he says, produced $1 trillion in sales each year, almost 50% of every retail dollar. He says, but the genius of McDonald's isn't franchising itself. He goes on to say the franchise has been around for more than 100 years. Many companies, Coca-Cola, General Motors among them, have utilized franchising as an effective method of distribution to reach broadly expanding markets inexpensively. He says the true genius of Ray Kroc's McDonald's is the business format franchise. 
It is the business format franchise that has revolutionized American business. And I think it's really key here, ladies, for you guys to understand this and realize why I am recommending that every businesswoman should have a copy of the book E-Myth. I've been using it for about 15 years, and it's never let me wrong. He says it is the business format franchise that has revolutionized American business. It is this business format with one new franchise opening its doors every eight minutes of every single business day that has spawned so much of the success of the franchise phenomenon over the past 40 years. Okay, And he gives a lot of statistics of which I'm not going to read right now, but the point that he wants you to understand is that the early franchise businesses, he said, many of which still exist today, were called trade name franchises. Under this system, the franchisor licensed the right to small companies to market its nationally known product locally. But the business format franchise moves a step beyond the trade name franchise. And he says in the business format franchise not only lends its name to the smaller enterprise, but it also provides the franchisee with an entire system of doing business. And in that difference lies the true significance of the turnkey revolution and its phenomenal success. The turnkey revolution and the business format franchise were born of a belief that runs counter to what most business founders in this country believe. He says most business founders believe that the success of a business resides in the success of the product it sells. However, to the trade name franchiser, the value of the franchise lies in the value of the brand name that it is licensing. For example, Cadillac, Mercedes, Coca-Cola. There was a time when that belief was true, but it isn't anymore. In a world where brand names proliferate like snowflakes in a Minnesota blizzard, it becomes more and more difficult and infinitely more expensive to establish a secure position. As a result, trade name franchises have been declining. It is the business format franchise that has accounted for all of the growth in America since the 50s. And he goes on to talk about why that is. And so I'm going to stop right here because I, I wanted to read that part to you because as an owner of a business, it's really important for you to understand, you know, what kind of business system are we in in America today? What are we, what are we doing in America? Why are businesses so successful? And what you should understand is that when McDonald's was created, not only did it make franchising popular because that's how they that's how they quickly grew. They they franchised and licensed so many stores across America and then it caught on, right? So not only is the franchising important for us to pay attention to, but what he's really trying to get us to understand is that McDonald's became successful when Ray Kroc took it over and created a structured system that could be duplicated and repeated over and over again, okay? And this is key for you to understand because as, he, as we learn in E-Myth, just having a brand, and he gave some examples like Cadillac, like Mercedes-Benz, like, you know, GM, um, those brands, those are some of our most oldest brands in America, but they don't work like they used to. What works in America today is system, a system works 
And that's what he wants most small business owners to understand is that even though you are a small business, you still have to be structured and you still have to run your company in a systematic way. So for everything that you do, you must have a system in place to handle it because your your process should be duplicable. You know, and this is one of the things that I teach a lot of my clients. You're, you know, nobody can be you in your business, and that's for sure. You you created your company, you have a passion for it, you're the one that developed it, but nobody is going to be you. But what can happen is that you can create and put things in place, a system in place to where people can follow your directions. You can put a system in place to where it can be duplicated to each person that comes on your team to the point to where you no longer have to be the only one that's the point person. Everybody knows the system and therefore is able to run the business for you even when you're not around. What does that mean for you? It means that your business can keep going. It means that even when you're not around, your business can keep running over and over again. And I'm here to say it doesn't matter what kind of business you have, you know, even if you're a service business, even if you're a hairstylist, at some point, you want to stop being just a hairstylist and perhaps open a salon to where you have multiple hairstylists that have not only learned your, um, your hairstyling techniques, okay, and, and, and different things that you use to be a successful stylist, but they are also, you know, a part of your salon renting booths um, and, and you're generating a percentage of the profit that they are earning as well. There has to be ways for you to grow as a business. And so what I have learned from reading the e-myth is that a business, no matter how small, cannot grow until you develop and put a structured system in place and until that system becomes duplicable where you can show somebody else how to do it and they can make it work for you, then what happens is that you're going to stay in a certain point and you're going to only be able to make so much money and you're not going to be able to do what we call scale or grow. So it's key for you to understand that because you have to you have to actually know, you know, do I want to grow this business? Do I want to take it to the next level? Do I want to make it a million dollar company? Do you know, do I want to make it a multiple six figure company? Where am I trying to go with this business? And see, when you spend time with yourself as the CEO owner of your company, then these questions become very key and you begin to find the answers to them, thus you know, creating a structure for yourself and having clarity of where you're trying to go as the CEO of your business. And I, again, I just can't tell you how important that really is. You know, a lot of business women think of having enough money to operate the business. You know, I think women women really did, women really put a lot of power on the word money. As a matter of fact, to the point to where money seems to control a lot of business women, right? But what you need to understand is that money didn't make you, you make money. And you can take that to the bank. Money is an inanimate object that has no power over you until you put the power on that side. You need to understand that the only way money comes around 
is that it is an exchange for something that you provide to another customer or client. And so the benefit of the benefit of the services that you provide or the products that you provide will always be the result is always going to be money, but the control of it is always in your hands. And how you make money normally doesn't really have anything to do with money. And I know that we hear that expression, money makes money, but that's talking about it from a different perspective. I'm talking about normally everything that makes money is not requiring money. It requires the right knowledge plus the right information and the right action is going to yield, always yield money. And that really is the formula for success. The right knowledge Plus the well, let me just turn that back around. The right information plus the right knowledge plus the right action is always going to yield you money when put that way. So what you need to understand, ladies, is that in 2019, it's time for all of us to put our big girl panties on and step beyond our comfort zones. And it's time for us to really gain the mindset of a CEO. It's time for us to stop just being the laborer in our business, stop just being the manager in our business, and start being the CEO of our company. So with that that said, I want to go ahead and I want to move right into our hot topic for today, which is, you know, having a passion for your business, which is so very, very key. I can't talk to that enough. And so our theme for February 2019 this month is a passion to succeed. And I want to talk to you about having a passion to succeed because I know that sometimes when you have what you would consider a micro business or a small business, you don't necessarily always give it as much priority. And this is totally the truth when you may have another income source coming in, you know, you have a spouse, you have money coming in from your spouse, you're still working a, a full-time job, you may not be giving your business as much attention and priority as you think you are. And it may not be structured in the right way. So I want to talk about a passion to succeed. And and actually, what does that mean? What does a passion to succeed mean? Because a lot of the times people start businesses, but often I wonder if the business that they started was just because they hear a lot of people say um, that you can make money with it, or is it just because it was the first thing that came up as an opportunity when they saw it or somebody convinced them or you know, to be a part of the business, whatever it is, I often wonder because sometimes when I'm talking to certain people, they don't seem to have a passion about their business. Um, They seem to have a whatever attitude. You know how teenagers say whatever, whatever. Some people have a whatever uh, attitude with their business. I've actually had businesswomen sit right before me and say, well, Trina, I'm not trying to make a whole lot of money. I'm just trying to make a little something, something. I'm just trying to make a little bit, you know, whatever, you know, I'm not trying to be all big and I'm not trying to get all known and I'm I'm not trying to really push my business all out there. I'm just trying to make a little something. Oh, okay. So you're in the business to make a little something. Got you, you know, but when you have that kind of mindset, 
then I can tell you right now, you're not going to do what it takes to make the business succeed because you don't really care whether the business succeeds as long as it's bringing you in a little something, something, as I've heard a lot of people say for some reason, right? And so a passion to succeed is all about changing the game in your mind. And that's what you need to first understand about a passion to succeed. It's about changing the way that you look at things. Ladies, you've got to start understanding and you've got to start embracing this one simple fact that will never change. And that is you have the power and the ability to create as successful of a business as you want to. And you have the power to make the necessary changes to live a fabulous lifestyle and to have what it is that you purpose to have. But it's going to require you to change your mindset. You're going to have to have a paradigm shift in the way that you think about things, okay? And so as it is with having a passion to succeed, What does that mean? It means that it's time to change the game. It means that it's time for you to put on a new mindset. It's time for you to change your beliefs and have a belief system that supports what it is that you personally want in life, okay? And so to to have that passion, to have that passion means that, that you are going to first look at your mindset, And look at what needs to change about that. How have you been feeling about your business lately? Have you been feeling like, you know, like a a nonchalant attitude about your business? Or have you been thinking, you know, I'm about ready to throw this business to the curb, kick it to the curb? What have you been thinking about your business? Um, What kind of passion do you have for your business? Do you find yourself waking up every day excited? about your business and all of the new changes and the different things that you can do with your business and how it can service others, how it can solve a problem for other people, and how you can really help other people to receive a service or product that is going to change their lifestyle or help their businesses grow or do something better. So that's what a passion is all about. And so what I want to um, read to you right now is I want to read to you the definition of passion and what passion actually means. So Webster says a passion means it's a strong and barely controllable emotion. It means that you're so passionate about it that you can hardly stand still or keep still, okay? Um, It means that you have an ardent affection for it. Okay, that's what it means. It means that the affection is very strong and intense desire and devotion to it. Um, And that's that's key. So all of these words are very actually very intense words. Right. So that's what passion means is that you have a strong, barely controllable feeling for something and that you're not going to let go of it because you have that control for it and that you have an ardent affection for it. You have a passion so strong that you're not going to let go of it. You're going to keep pushing through. 
And that's what being passionate for success is all about, is that you want to be so successful that you can barely control yourself sometimes because you're so passionate about it. You have such a ardent affection for it. You have such a strong liking or desire and devotion to being successful that you're, you're ready to structure yourself. You're ready to learn. You're open to learning new ways and changing your mindset so you can be the best that you need to be to become a successful businesswoman. And so that's why in February, you know, our topic for the whole month is a passion to succeed. What do you need to be doing to succeed in business? What do you need to make happen? So I read you guys five questions of leadership and authority earlier, but what I want to give you now is I want to give you um, five ways to become a passionate businesswoman, five ways to become a passionate businesswoman. So here's the first way, and I think it's very key. Number one, I think you need to really have planning time every day when it comes to your business. And this is going to require to put yourself in the entrepreneur visionary role, right? You need to have planning time. You need to really look at how your business is doing. You need to look at what you what is it that I need to tend to? Um, do I need to take care of some aspect of my business that needs my attention? I need to look at how much money am I generating in my business? I need to look at where am I trying to head and where am I trying to go to my with my business next? And are am I on track? Are things running smoothly? Are my systems in place? So having that daily planning time as an entrepreneur visionary is very key. If you want to know how much time should you be planning, I would say if you could give yourself one to two hours of planning time every day, I think that you would totally look at your business different. Now, keep in mind, this is the entrepreneur visionary role because that role is responsible for the vision and the direction of the company, responsible for being the ambassador of the company, representing the company, responsible for really setting the pace for the company to grow. So that means you know, looking at how you price and structure things, creating the daily operation system, um, creating the marketing system, how the company generates leads. All of those things are key. You have to be taking a look at that as the owner. So you have to have enough planning time that you are able to plan your business out. This is key. Okay. The second thing that I think is, is very key to become um, a passionate businesswoman is that you must become a master of delegation, okay? Because when you're passionate about things, you want to do things right. It's not about what you want only. It's about also making sure that the customer or the client is satisfied. It's about making sure that you're not slow and lagging in your business and keeping up with the times. And I can tell you right now is that, first of all, this is what I don't want to hear you guys contemplate in your minds. Well, you know, she's talking about delegate, but who am I going to delegate to? Because I don't have any money to pay people uh, for certain services. Well, guess what? Where there is a will, there's a way I have seen it. Okay. So delegation, you must become a master of delegation. And what that means is that you must learn that you can't always keep doing everything yourself and see your business grow. It just does not work that way. 
And I know this to be the truth because I use myself kind of like as a starting point for anything that I teach. When I keep things to myself and try to do it all myself, sometimes I make it work, but then more times than none, it doesn't work because I have other things that I need to tend to. And so what happens is the things that I thought I could handle myself end up laying on the back burner, but they're actually important things that need to be moved forward. If I had delegated those things to someone, then those things would have been accomplished and I can then move forward and see my way clear to, to do other things, right? And that's oftentimes what actually happens with most business women. Women, it's just, I think it's just an internal thing that we have. We, we were created to nurture and help others. That's kind of like a part of our, our internal and spiritual DNA. Uh, we have the mother instinct and the mother instinct tends to want to take over and to del- and not delegate, but wants to do everything and make sure everything is just right. And we end up tail spinning ourselves into what we call analysis paralysis. It's got to be perfect, that perfection mode, which is why most business women don't move forward when that happens. And so we've got to learn how to delegate. We've got to learn how to come up with solutions and how to find other ways to get things done other than just through ourselves. And I can tell you that if you don't do this, this is what causes you to enslave yourself to your business. You can be feeling overwhelmed. You can be feeling like, here I am, same year, same time, and I still haven't moved forward. But this is all about changing your mindset. And I truly hope those of you who are listening to me I hope that you guys are receiving this because I'm really telling you what's going to take you to the next level and help you start making some really good money, okay? So it's not that you can't do everything yourself, but when you do everything yourself, it slows you down. And this is why you must become a master of delegation. And what I want you guys to do, I want you guys to give me some feedback. And I want you to tell me where your challenges lie in doing this. I want you guys to email me personally at tnubi, that's T as in Trina, N-E-W-B as in boy, Y as in yard, tnubi at womenaboutbiz.net. I want you guys to email me today. Don't procrastinate. You don't have to write long. Just email me shortly and tell me where are you on becoming a master of delegation. Where are you in changing your mindset this year so that you can move yourself forward with your business? Will you share that with me? Tell me that. And then I'll email you back and give you some tips and resources, okay? So we talked about, number one, you know, having that planning time for yourself. Number two, being a master of delegation. And and in delegating, don't forget, I shared what the delegation meant. It means to delegate means to assign a task to someone else, but to set the parameters of giving them instructions, if necessary, how to do a particular task and setting some deadlines of when the task is due. And then also scheduling some follow-up calls with that individual to make sure that they're on track, thereby holding them accountable and properly delegating, right? So becoming a master of delegation is the, the number two thing. Here's number three in five ways to become a passionate businesswoman. And I think this one is really key. And I don't think as women that we understand it. But when you have passion, it causes you to exert a certain amount of energy. And because of that, a lot of women complain about feeling tired a lot. 
And so I want you also to really be healthy. So I want you to know that a passionate businesswoman takes care of herself. And why I say takes care of herself, because a lot of things fall under taking care of herself. It means that you're drinking enough water. It means that you are at least walking 15 to 30 minutes every single day. It means that um, you are doing things for yourself that will help you feel better about you and help the passion to continue and not turn the passion into something that you despise, okay? Because oftentimes we need that energy. We need to feel healthy. We need to look good. We need to take care of ourselves. And so, again, a woman about passion is not going to be just passionate about the business and ignore herself, but she's going to take care of herself. And I think that's really key. Another thing that I think is important for a passionate businesswoman is that a passionate businesswoman is going to brand not only the business, but a passionate businesswoman is going to brand herself as well. One of the biggest lessons that I've learned is that You have to brand yourself because it's not always the business that sells itself. It's you that's selling the business. People like to have something that they can believe in, that they can see, that they can know about. And that's no better than you as the owner branding herself so that people know who you are. So what does that mean? What does branding yourself mean? Well, branding yourself can be broken down into three areas, okay? It can be broken down into graphics. So branding yourself could mean that you're going to create social means, M-E-M-E-S, social means. And what a social mean is, is is that it could be a graphic of you you, along with a quote that's posted on social media so that people get to know who you are and what your philosophy or your thoughts are. So that's a graphic mean. The second part of branding yourself is through video and audio, okay? Video and audio. And by the way, up in number one where I said branding yourself could be graphics or social memes, also add colors because most people like to wear different colors or do something that makes them stand out, okay? So a lot of people use colors to do that. So like with Women About Biz, I use I use a, a different kind of pinkish red color. That's my color. Some people, I've seen people use color in their hair. And every time you see them, you see this purple stripe in their hair. So people brand themselves in different ways to stand out. And then the third thing in branding is always going to be your words. You can use those words in audio in video, in articles, but it's all about what you are saying, uh, popular quotes and phrases and different things like that. A lot of people know me by a very popular phrase that I created over 15 years ago, you know, which is take off your shoes of fear, put on your shoes of courage and step beyond your comfort zone for therein lies your success. And so I use that quote all the time because it really was something that I created for myself and encouraging myself to not be fearful of moving forward in my life and my business, but to, to, to refuse to put on shoes of fear, to take, take off those shoes of fear and put on that shoes of courage. And I begin to share it with a lot of other people. And I've had so many people who have requested me, you know, can I use your quote 
long as I give you credit, sure, no, not a problem. And so people know me by that quote. Well, what, what can you be known for? How can you brand? And that's what branding means is that it means causing recognition of yourself or causing a memory of you by what you say, the colors you use, the pictures you use of yourself, um, the audio that you put out, the articles that you put out. It's a, it's a whole system of how you infuse yourself so that people begin to know who you are as well as what you do in business, right? And so branding is very, very key. And of course, a, a woman who is passionate about her business, she's going to make sure that she's branded herself through that business. And of course, we only need to look at examples of women who are popular and very well known of how they've branded themselves. So I'm just going to give you some examples. Of course, we'll use the number one. Look at Oprah. Okay, look at how Oprah is branding herself. Go and go back and look at Oprah's social media pages, her Facebook pages, her website. Go back and look at how Oprah is branding Oprah. Okay, what about Michelle Obama? Now, um, the beautiful thing about Michelle Obama is her time now. You know, uh, President uh, Barack Obama is kind of taking back seat. And it's Michelle's turn, and he's allowing Michelle to go forward, and she's now branding herself. Look at how Michelle is branding herself. Take a look at that. Look up Michelle Obama and look at all the things attached to her. Go look at her Facebook page. Go look at how she's branding herself with her book. Take a look at those things, which is so very, very key. And I want, I want you, um, I want you to remember that. And last but not least, in the five ways to create passion for yourself, to become that passionate businesswoman. It requires you to have incredible faith, but this is what I want you to do. I want you to, in number five, I'm going to say it this way, a passionate businesswoman, it, it requires you to have unshakable faith. And I've talked about this so much, but this word means so much to me because I know that it's a difference. But what unshakable faith is, is that level of belief. So it has everything to do with the type of belief that you have. It's a level of belief so deeply rooted within you that it compels you to take swift and immediate action on your dreams, your goals, what it is that you purpose to do in life. There's no place for procrastination with someone who has unshakable faith. Okay? And so with unshakable faith, the way to get unshakable faith is to first to make sure that your beliefs are in alignment and supporting what it is that you want out of life, out of your business. That's the first thing, okay, because not all beliefs support. And oftentimes that tends to be a huge problem why a lot of business women can't move forward. So I want you to remember that, okay? So with unshakable faith, you've got to have that belief. And then the next thing is that you've got to take action to unshakable faith. Action is very, very key. So I want you ladies to remember that. Always remember that if I have unshakable faith, the proof is in the action. The action of what I do tells me whether or not I have unshakable faith. If there's great procrastination, if you're always saying what you're going to do, but you never do it, um, it means that the unshakable faith is not present at this time, and you've got to strive towards having it. You've got to strive towards being the passionate businesswoman that wakes up every morning excited about making those changes in her business. And you know what helps? It's going to help you when you learn how to delegate 
and get some of that monkey off your back and start helping, having people to help you to do things um, that's going to to really help your business to, to run smoother and it's going to help you shorten your learning curve and it's going to help you to see success a lot faster, especially income. So ladies, I hope that I have helped you today. I hope that I have given you some good food for thought and that you're going to jot these notes down, but take it a step further and say, how can I put into action what Trina shared with me today? Don't forget. Well, that's all I have for Successful Woman Radio. I want to thank you guys for listening. I hope that you guys have such a beautiful day today, uh, and I wish you nothing but a productive and an abundant week. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.